1: Hi, guys. Quick one before we get into the episode. This episode is sponsored by Zencaster, which is the production suite that I've used from the very beginning of this podcast. And if you're interested in starting your own podcast, hang around at the end of the episode for our 30% discount referral code. Thanks.
0: So, our podcast is called Right and Wrong. <laughs>
1: Are these are your notes. These <laughs> are these your notes about what we're going to say. Uh, anything. Yeah, it's a short answer. <laughs> so, how many novels did you not finish? Oh my Prime? God, so many. <laughs> <laughs> it was perfect. What are you talking about? This is not a
0: question. Ooh, a spicy question. I love it. <laughs>
1: this is it, guys. The big secret to get published is you have to write a good book. We're going to do it. Here first. <laughs> Hello, and welcome back to the Right and Wrong podcast. This week I'm joined by spooky YA romance author, book talker, and Waterstones bookseller, Rosie Talbot. Hey Rosie.
0: Hello, thanks for having me on the podcast.
1: Oh, um, you're so welcome. Thanks for coming on. How's it going? Must be a wild time for you right now.
0: Absolutely. My head is still spinning, but I'm <laughs> smiling. I'm beaming. Life is good.
1: That's that's good to hear. Well, let's start off with the big news. I'm sure a lot of people listening don't know what I was talking about when I was saying it must be a crazy time for you. The exciting news that your debut novel, 16 Souls, is coming out 13th of October. What's it all about?
0: So it is a spooky way novel set in York about a teenage medium who can see the dead. And to be honest, he'd rather not be able to because they rather complicate <laughs> his life. But when the ghosts of York start to go missing, he is convinced by the new cute, irritating new seer in town, Sam, to help look for them and shenanigans ensue.
1: Mm, Sounds great. So lots of supernatural stuff.
0: Yeah. So it's got a good hefty paranormal dose. There are a lot of ghosts in this book. Um, It's got a touch of horror and quite a bit of romance as well.
1: Amazing. Well, I'm excited. Is this the first story that you've written or have there been other drafts or novels before this?
0: It is the second book I have ever written, uh-huh. but the first book is not really in a healthy state. It's a much more ambitious adult fantasy project that I probably shouldn't have challenged myself to write as my first ever novel. And it's sort of still in, you know, it's in that draw and I keep going back to it. But this is the first book that I've ever kind of wanted to put out into the world, I suppose.
1: So you didn't, you didn't even think about sort of uh, submitting that first one to anything or or putting it out to a sort of bigger platform?
0: I submitted to a round of agents, but kind of knowing in my heart of hearts that it wasn't really a viable debut novel. It's too long for a first Mm -hmm. novel. I just knew it wasn't quite right for the market and what was happening right now. But, you know, I still did it for the experience. And I'm really glad I did because I did also submit 16 Souls, Two agents. And I think having at least done it once before put me in good stead for those rounds.
1: Yeah, no, definitely. I remember the, I actually had a similar experience where I tried to do a far too ambitious thing for my first novel, you know, multiple points of view, many characters, huge ensemble. And whilst looking back, it was nowhere near ready to be sent to anyone. As you say, the experience of just learning that kind of system and, and Actually, submitting is so valuable when you come to something that is actually of merit, and and people do want to see it.
0: Yeah, I mean, just I think writing a novel is so different from being able to craft a pitch and craft a blurb and write a one-page synopsis, all of which are extremely valuable. And I ended up not picking up an agent for Sixteen Souls and deciding to self-publish, and all of that practice I'd had creating pitches came into play because I had to create a blurb and I had to create a tagline and all these things. So I'm really glad, again, that I had that experience.
1: Yeah. So let's talk about that then, because 16 Souls is actually being published by Scholastic now. Yes. What What was the journey like here where you, so you, presumably you've been working on it for a while now. Did you, you did some submissions for it, but eventually decided to
0: self-publish yeah, so I I wrote the book because I wanted to write something a little bit more straightforward than my initial first novel, because it was too complicated. And I just wanted to write a really good teenage book with one narrative point of view. And I wanted to do that under a structured environment. So I submitted to the Curtis Brown Creative six-month novel writing course. And I wrote the first chapter of 16 Souls to get on that course. And I got a place. So I had to write the rest of the book. <laughs> So I did I wrote the rest of the book and I think that was back in like 2019 maybe. And then the pandemic hit and I had done a few rounds of um rounds of edits and and kind of querying and I'd also submitted to Write Mentor which was where I met my wonderful mentor Cynthia Murphy. Oh yes. And I had quite a few sort of requests from agents from that but nothing came back with the connection that we both needed. And so I remained unagitated. And I knew that if I didn't get the book out there soon, I was going to miss this kind of bubble that was happening in the YA market for paranormal stories. So I thought, you know what, I I have a vision for this kind of product, as it were, and I am very passionate about this book. And I just knew in my guts that this was the one. So I thought I'm going to self publish. The only reason I felt confident doing that was because I had joined TikTok and my, my account had grown a lot faster than I ever anticipated that it would. And I have this wonderful community of incredibly supportive readers who were like, yeah, we want to read this book. So I started the process of self-publishing. I announced December last year that it was going to happen for October and I was ready to go. Everything was kind of sorted. I was just waiting to kind of commission a print run. And then Scholastic swooped in and said, hey, uh, we've heard you've got this spooky novel and we'd really like to read it. So I sent it to them. They had a read and within a week they'd offered on two books.
1: Wow. that's
0: Yeah, it was a whirlwind.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, and it's it's so far from traditional <laughs> whilst in the end ending up going through scholastic a traditional publisher did it i mean it must have been a how much work did you put into the self-publishing at that point i mean was it you know it was all done ready to go you were just on the marketing at that point
0: yeah it and i had a few distribution issues i needed to sort of sort out but primarily it was almost all done and i'm sure there are a lot of people who would be like well why would you why would you go with a traditional publisher then because you've done all that work but i was honestly exhausted. I was so <laughs> doing self-publishing successfully is very hard. There are a yeah. lot of books that get published every year, and raising your head above the parapet and being noticed is hard. It's it's long hours, and it meant that I had no writing time whatsoever. I was I couldn't even think about writing another book. It was one hundred percent all about marketing and distribution, and essentially running a small business. And what Scholastic offered was they offered me my writing time back because they're going to take care of a lot of the things that I have to do as a self-published author but don't love doing and Mm. I get to do all the fun stuff like making a fool of myself on TikTok hanging out with bookish people and writing another book so it was just the right offer for me at the right time um, and took a lot of weight off my shoulders yeah. Um, there's, I think there's so much merit to self-publishing. I'm not saying I would never self-publish again. I'm so glad of all the experience that I had, but I, I know that this is the right decision for me for this book at this time.
1: Yeah, well, that's great. It's really good that you sort of are confident enough in in that decision to to say, yeah, I know this was 100% the, the correct thing to do. Did your, because you, you work as a bookseller at Waterstones. I do. Did Did that sort of access... to to the industry that the the sort of knowledge of of knowing how things work in that way help when you were I uh, I guess first of all trying to look at self-publishing
0: yeah I think being a bookseller gives you face-to-face access with readers as does being on social media actually but being in a bookshop you get to see what people are picking up off shelves what they're coming in and asking for you start to see trends in the market you see what covers are selling which you know what people are browsing. You get to chat to readers every single day. And then you also get all the behind the scenes stuff. Like you understand how orders are processed and how companies source books and which books are the big ones coming up. So it just helps give me like an inside knowledge to the industry that helped me pick up on trends, I suppose, and know that if I don't get this book out now, I'm probably going to miss the boat and have to wait 10 years until it comes around again. And that gave me the confidence to be like, let's do this.
1: (laughs) That's great. (laughs) <laughs> and and also a little bit scary as well that you, you sort of, with that knowledge comes the pressure of, you know, that there's almost a time limit on a certain trend, a certain style, a certain genre.
0: Yeah, I think there can be. But I mean, that's that time limit's still a number of years. It's not mm-hmm. like it's sort of over in a flash in the pan. But in the publishing industry, that's very quick because books take a long time to kind of write and then edit and publish Uh, several years. So I I knew that if I waited to try and get an agent, which was never guaranteed, then I probably wouldn't get to put Charlie and his ghost out into the world. And it's a story I'm so passionate about. I really, I really just want to find readers who love it and hope it finds a home with people.
1: Yeah. So speaking of finding those readers, reaching out, interacting with the community, let's talk about TikTok more accurately the talk
0: community,
1: <laughs> what was it that made you start posting on, on TikTok, getting into that?
0: Well, I was on Instagram um, because when I started social media, TikTok wasn't really a thing. So I've been on Instagram for about three years, building a little community of readers and I loved it. I was posting every day and taking aesthetic pictures of books and it was really good fun. And then they sort of just started the real feature possibly because of TikTok's bringing up and becoming popular. And I saw an article, I think, I can't remember where, sort of saying that there was this big book community on TikTok. And I thought, hold on a second, I'm missing out on an extraordinarily large number of book recommendations I could be getting from this other community of readers on TikTok. Let's see what that's about. Started an account thinking, maybe maybe if I was lucky, couple of thousand people might follow me. And then my account grew quite quickly, which was a huge surprise to me, but very, very welcome. And it's, it's a wonderfully engaged community. There are so many important discussions that go on. There's a dangerous number of fabulous book recommendations. Uh, My shelves (laughs) are heaving, but yeah, I love it on there. I love everybody.
1: You're up to over a hundred thousand followers now.
0: Yes. Very surprised, but very grateful.
1: Which is crazy. I mean it's it's one of those numbers that you can't even picture. It's so large. Like if you tried to picture that many people, it's just my brain just then just is a blur of crowd.
0: I know. It's terrifying. I try not to think about it actually, because it is <laughs> quite terrifying. Um especially I've had a few videos kind of go over a million and I'm like, I that a million people have seen my face. That's that's incredibly weird. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now
1: I went on your TikTok and um I sc- I scrolled all the way through. And just because I'm a curious kind of person like that and the difference between your newer stuff, which is sort of very fitted and formed and you have a a very much a template, a style and the earlier stuff where first of all, there's a lot less of your face and there's a lot more book covers. And like, as you said, aesthetic pictures of shelves, how much has, has it evolved like your book talk from when you first started to now?
0: I mean, it definitely has evolved. I I don't know if I've analyzed it. I've certainly, anything I'm doing, I'm not doing on purpose. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm, I'm very much winging it. I don't plan my content in advance, particularly. I just hop on and record whatever I'm thinking or feeling, whatever books I'm excited about. Um, I do a lot of tales from the stockroom, So I have quite lovely interactions with customers at work and I write them down as little stories on my phone and then record them and share them with the world. Um, As you do on your lunch break. Um, And they're quite popular because they're, you know, heartwarming and feel good and often quite funny because the public are magnificent. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks. Oh, yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer.
1: Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.
0: So I just, yeah, I just kind of have a little app on my phone that I write inspiration down when an idea occurs to me. And then, of course, the community asks questions. So people will ask for specific book recommendation lists. And I love those because I get to sit down and do research and put my bookseller brain on and think, okay, right, what's what's a really good book? this person's going to love. And I I love doing that as well. But yes, it has evolved. I know that sort of videos where I'm just chatting away often do quite well, even though they're less structured, but, um, I don't know, maybe people like the curls. I'm not sure.
1: (laughs) You always do it with a nice backdrop as well. You've really found the best spots, I think, to to do your reels.
0: I I have built the best spot because everybody has recommended so many books. I, that I bought them all, and oh. they they live behind me on that massive wall of books that I'm working my way through as a reader.
1: Oh yes, yes, the infamous to be read pile. Oh yes, which only gets bigger.
0: Oh, it's it's monumental.
1: <laughs> so, what advice would you give um, somebody looking to join the book talk community?
0: Uh, do it. Do it now. Like <laughs> just you know, but I think particularly if you're an author. Um, and you're thinking about publishing in any capacity, it's a fabulous place to find a community of readers who will engage and enjoy your work. So hop on the platform, start an account, and then just start watching videos about books. And you can tailor your content by saying, I am interested in this and I'm not interested in that. And within the book community as well, there are definitely smaller communities of particular types of reader Based on the different genres that they like to read, so you'll find different hashtags, follow those hashtags, engage with that content, and then you can start making your own. and again, just talk about the books that you like, talk about your style as a reader. I mean there is endless endless potential content ideas and then it's just about building a community really. Just do what you feel comfortable with, be honest, have fun, um and make friends. I think it's making those connections is ultimately what brings so much joy to being on the platform
1: yeah and it's about it is about joy like it's about i feel like tiktok in the same way as 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 lots of social media and um blogs and things like that you should do them because you enjoy them because if you're not enjoying it i feel like it really will translate and then you won't people won't enjoy watching them or reading them or whatever the platform is
0: Yeah, and it's. I think it's hard for a lot of authors because we're not all extroverts. We don't all want to prance about on, you know, five to twenty-second videos. Um, But uh, there's a lot of pressure from publishers to engage in marketing because it is so important to again just try and get that visibility. And TikTok is a platform that offers the potential to suddenly go viral out of nowhere. And you hear so many authors attest to their book sales suddenly leaping up because they're uh, you know one one single video went viral um and it happened to cynthia murphy actually win lose kill die it was one video that did extraordinarily well and we sold out waterstone sold out within a few days and they had to reprint um and i'm so excited for her because it's a fabulous book and everybody should read it Um, (laughs) but it just goes to show that it, it can suddenly just happen and it probably won't be one of your videos it'll be somebody else's video on the platform but if you're on there as an author, they can tag you, you know, you can see that, you can share that content. So it's definitely worth having a presence on there, even if you don't necessarily want to create a lot of content yourself.
1: Um, yeah, just to be there, just to be present in a way so that people can interact with you. It's, a, yeah. it's good advice, even if you are introverted and scared to uh, engage too much in a platform like that. Going back to some of the more um, technical stuff uh, about your 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 work, so you, you self-published, then well, you were going to self-publish now picked up by Scholastic. Even, you know, being involved as a bookseller in publishing, was it scary kind of doing this all thing by yourself?
0: Oh, absolutely terrifying. Like I, it's, it's such a big step. And I think there's so much pressure put on the debut as well. Like we're kind of told as authors that it's the biggest, most important book of your life because it's sort of, the basis for your career and i had some people saying oh you must self-publish it's the only way forward and i had other people saying no like don't do that it's it's a waste you it's such a good book you should never self-publish it because uh, you know a publisher will want it and it's like for a start self-publishing is phenomenal and the quality of books out there like it's just not what it used to be mm-hmm. um so i but i was still kind of finding myself I suppose, justifying to people be like, oh, who's it coming out with? And I'd be like, oh, actually, I'm doing it myself. And I could see something shift in them. Now, I didn't see that in booksellers, interestingly enough. I didn't see that in people in the industry. I just saw that in readers occasionally. And I I worry that there is still this perception that self-publishing isn't as high a quality as traditional, but in many cases, it certainly is. So I was a bit nervous that people would hear I was self-published and not be interested. But also vice versa, perhaps, though, there's a lot of people who only read indie books. So they would hear that I was self-published, and definitely be interested. So I think it goes both ways. Yeah. But knowing how things work on the inside, I think I just knew how much the odds were against me for it, it doing well. And that was scary. But yeah. it was also fuel. It me- made me more determined to be like, okay, I am going to do the best that I possibly can do. I'm going to pull out all the stops and put in all the effort and just hope that luck is on my side. And and it turns out it has been on my side. I've, I've, I think there's a huge amount of luck involved in this industry. And I feel extremely grateful that it seems to be smiling on me at the moment.
1: Yes, I would say you can increase your chances. And I think yeah. that the output that you've put on TikTok across other social medias uh, has definitely helped to sort of um, increase your chances of getting lucky as you have being signed by Scholastic, which is amazing.
0: Yeah, I think it's about being visible. I mean, as well, when I, was, um, when I was putting the book together, I really wanted to spend my money on an amazing cover and on really strong editing and typesetting. So I was, for me, putting out a book that I was extremely proud of. And I think that definitely helped because it's a level of professionality that when Scholastic took a look at it, hopefully they were like, great, this is a very tight timescale. I mean, they have only moved the publication date back by one week. So there was no time, you know, if they wanted to do a massive structural edit, there was no time. They had to be happy with this as a product that they could go to market with quickly. Um, And I was able to deliver that because I was hoping to deliver that to the public myself. So, you know, it's something I'm very, very proud of. Um, And I think that appealed to them as well as as obviously my visibility. And they're just so passionate about the story and I'm so grateful. Like they're absolutely incredible. Like the support I've had from Scholastic and the, the passion for this book is you know it's lit me up from the inside because i was at a point of being incredibly tired just because of all the effort from from moving forward with my my self-publishing and they've yeah they've lit that fire again and that passion to kind of get this book out there
1: amazing i mean that's exactly what you want from a from a publisher you just want that extra support
0: yeah they've been amazing they are amazing i'm very grateful for them
1: (laughs) and so now that it is um, part of the big machine getting put out into the world, October 13th. Um, are you going to look into maybe working with a literary agent?
0: Yeah, I, I still don't have a literary agent. Um, a lot of people asked me when the offer was made, are you, are you going to get an agent now? Um, and I, I didn't want to rush into it. It's a very important Relationship, and I want to make sure I find the right person who's very passionate about what I do, and and we get on really well. So, I didn't want to rush into anything just because I had this offer on the table, and I was able to seek legal advice elsewhere to help me work through the contract on on my own. So, I I didn't need to find an agent right then, but I think they do something incredibly valuable, and I will certainly look to work with an agent in the future when I've got my next manuscript ready to go.
1: Yes, and speaking of, it is a two book deal that you've done. Yeah.
0: yeah. So I'm working on uh, Charlie two, doesn't have a title yet, Charlie two. And then <laughs> so it'll be a duology. And then after that, I'll work on, on something fresh and new and, and hopefully find an agent to help me find a home for that book.
1: Okay. So you're set on it just being a duology.
0: Yeah. I mean, so 16 souls, when you read it, it, it doesn't need to be a duology. It is wrapped up as it, as it is. Um, okay. Even though I always saw it as a duology, I didn't want to leave anybody on a cliffhanger. So if somebody prefers to read a standalone, you can read 16 Souls as a standalone and you're gonna feel complete. There's um, okay. a complete character arc, there's you know, explanations for most things, but there is that kind of openness to it where the world is so much bigger and there could be another story in that world. And I seeded ideas in book one that I can pick up for book two. And after book two, I mean, who knows, maybe Scholastic will change their mind and think, you know what, we we can have more of these. But again, I will be writing it as, as a complete adventure. So if you just pick that one up and that's the first one you pick up or um, that's the only one you want to read, you'll still be satisfied with that story.
1: Sure. I mean, I guess that's how Harry Potter kind of th- starts. The first three Harry Potter books are sort of this is a year at school, open and shut open and shut open and shut
0: yeah yeah So i'm not saying yeah, yeah.
1: that you're the next this is the next harry potter but i
0: knows? mean <laughs> i wouldn't mind my own theme park <laughs> yeah <laughs> i know
1: uh, awesome well very exciting to hear that you're working on on um a sequel a follow-up yeah. um and that you haven't gone for the classic uh trap of wanting to make a trilogy
0: no i mean i love duologies i just some of my favourite series are duologies rather than, than trilogies. And I mean, I love, a, oh, I love a trilogy too. And I love a standard. I just love all books. Really,
1: <laughs> I just love books. You just like books and stories, really. Yeah,
0: I do. I do. But I'm really excited. I'm, I'm currently plotting and I just, I love these characters and I love hanging out with them. They're fabulous. So I'm <laughs> just really enjoying being back in Charlie's head and getting to hang out with my favourite imaginary people. <laughs>
1: Amazing. You only sound a little bit insane when you say that, but it's lovely to hear. And and I can just tell that that enthusiasm will uh, jump out of the page uh, when this book gets put out into the world and everyone gets a chance well, to read it. I hope so. <laughs> and with that, we have the final question. As always, Rosie, if you were stranded on a desert island with a single book, which book would you take?
0: Okay, I'm going to be really bold and I'm going to take a risk because I am a risk taker. <laughs> and I'm going to pick a book I haven't actually read yet. Oh. I know. I'm going to pick Unraveler by Frances Hardinge because mm-hmm. it's high on my TBR. It's It's brand new out. And I have read her writing before and I know I love her books. So it's a fairly safe bet that I'm going to love this. I've also had friends tell me it's her best one yet. And again, I've read her books. I love them. So that is a bold claim. And it's it's a decently chunky book as well, so I feel like you know if I need a decent amount of reading material, it's going to get me through.
1: Okay, well, it sounds like it's not too risky.
0: <laughs> I mean, I mean, it, it is an unread book, so it's not like I'm yeah. picking a firm fave. I think if I was picking a firm fave, I would pick Blackwood Farm by Anne Rice. Okay, mainly because I it's a it's got ghosts in it. And it's one that I kind of keep going back to every, every few years I'll, I'll reread it. And it's kind of a comfort one. And again, it's quite lengthy, so it'll keep, keep me going for a while.
1: Mm. Well, I'm a fan of the bold, uh, go in for, with something you haven't read. And if it's an author you love, then it's usually relatively safe bet that you'll enjoy it to some degree, at least.
0: I, I'm pretty confident I'm going to love it. <laughs>
1: amazing well thank you so much rosie for for coming on the the podcast and sharing your experience and your your writing adventures with me and everyone listening
0: thank you so much for having me it's been an absolute pleasure
1: and for anyone listening if you do want to keep up with what rosie is doing you can follow her on all socials at merrowchild that's m-e-r-r-o-w child uh any any origin story for that name rosie
0: um so merrow i believe means mermaid in like irish okay. um, i'm not irish and i'm terrified of water so it just <laughs> sort of seemed like a natural choice um yeah. <laughs> I, honestly i don't know i think it came from a dream or an, i think of, i don't i i don't know i just like the sound of the word Oh, okay. And it's well,
1: that's reason enough. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> there you go. So follow Rosie on Merrow Child on all the socials. And to make sure you don't miss an episode of this podcast, follow us on Twitter at Right and Wrong UK or on Instagram at Right and Wrong Podcast. Thanks again, Rosie. And thanks to everyone listening. We'll catch you in the next episode. Thanks for hanging around until the end. If you're interested in starting your own podcast, but aren't really sure what that looks like, I can't recommend Zencaster enough. It's so simple to host, record, and download your podcast with, and it even has a built-in transcription AI. It functions entirely in the internet browser, which means all your guests have to do is click on a link, and they'll be brought into the conversation. If you click on the link in the description, you'll get 30% off the first three months. All you have to do is click on the link in the description. Thanks again for supporting the show, and we'll see you in the next episode.